Star Wars, give me those Star Wars, nothing but Star Wars, don't let them Star Wars, those dear and Star Wars, talking about Star Wars, on the podcast. Hello and welcome back to Give Me Those Star Wars, the official Star Wars show of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ryan Daly, and boy have I missed you guys. I'm sorry that I've been away for so long. Ben Kenobi once asked, who's more foolish, the fool or the fool who follows him? Keep that question in mind while I introduce this episode's guest, my darling and ever-so-patient wife, Angela. Welcome to the show, Angela. Hi, thanks. Thank you for doing this. I promise I'll vacuum tomorrow. Well, thanks for finally inviting me to the show. I mean, Star Wars is just the way that we met. Don't spoil that. That's going to be the next Valentine's episode. Okay. Folks, the wife and I have differing opinions on so many things. The direction, Including you calling me the wife. (laughs) The direction of the new Star Wars films among them. Later this episode, we're going to debate whether Lucasfilm made the right call in sticking with the original cast members and advancing the continuity 30 years or so for Episode 7. But before we get to that, Angie, how and when did you become a Star Wars fan? I didn't become a Star Wars fan until I was, I don't know, a freshman in high school. And the first Star Wars movie I saw was Empire Strikes Back in my friend's living room. And I don't know, I just watched Empire, fell in love, and then went out and bought the entire trilogy and then watched it to death. But Empire has continued to be my favorite. And I don't know if it's because it was the first Star Wars movie I saw or if it's just because it's the best one. And then you continued to love the saga, right? Because you absolutely adored the prequel movies, if I understand correctly. I'm not familiar what you're referring to. What are those? <laughs> like, only the best Star Wars movies ever. I have no idea what you're referring to. Okay, so not so much the prequels, but you followed some of the expanded universe. Uh, you read some of the books. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was totally hooked. Like, once I watched the movies to death, I just wanted more, and I... I read every single Expanded Universe novel. I just, yeah, I went Star Wars crazy. And then, yeah, when the prequels came out, like, it's it's a sore subject because I felt completely betrayed because I was really excited and really wanted to like them. And Favorite Star Wars character from the original movies? Oh, gosh. I feel like it's cliche to say that my favorite character is Luke, but I think my favorite character is Luke. I don't think that's cliche. I think the prevailing wisdom for most people is Han. So I think actually saying Luke is your favorite would make you in the minority. Well, does that mean no one's going to like me? I mean, you'll get sympathy votes just because you're married to me. Are you sure that gets me sympathy? Uh, Certainly curiosity. (laughs) Yeah. Who's your favorite character from the expanded universe? Grand Admiral Thrawn. Duh. All right, people, I think the Expanded Universe is going to come up again later on in our discussion. But for now, it's time for Star Wars Current Events. This is the part of the show where my guest and I talk about something new in the realm of Star Wars, whether it be movies, comics, books, or even theme parks coming to Disney World. 
Potential spoiler warning, the subject for this current event segment is the upcoming film Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. I'm not going to reveal plot or character details, but instead some of the -the behind-the-scenes filmmaking stuff going on right now. If you still don't want to hear this part, go ahead and skip this segment. The start times for each section are listed in the show notes for this episode. You can just fast-forward to a safe point. Okay, if you're still here... Wow, a lot of details about the next Star Wars movie have come out in the last two weeks, and some of that information has fans really concerned. According to reports, Disney has ordered several weeks of supposedly rather expensive reshoots after screening an early cut of the film for executives. Now, the first reports presented this as a much more kind of a panic situation, as if Rogue One had screened for test audiences who hated it and that Disney was basically taking the film away from director Gareth Edwards to salvage the mess that he had made. After two days of fans screaming like we're all going to die, new reports painted a different picture. The film only screened to the higher-ups at Disney, and the reshoots have more to do with changing the tone of certain scenes, adding more of the levity and lightheartedness that was a staple of the classic films. Ange, I don't know how much of this you have heard, but does this story about potential reshoots, does this cause you any concern going into the movie? I guess maybe it might make me a little nervous just because I feel like when executives get involved in story decisions, things get messy. I mean, you said they reshot because of levity and lightheartedness? That is the new story that's coming out, and that's caused for some kind of back and forth. I think they were trying to assuage fans' fears by just saying, all we're doing is just adding more humor into the movie, more of kind of the tone of the classic trilogy. But some fans were really excited for this movie because it was supposed to be different. This is the first movie of the franchise that's really not supposed to be about the Skywalker saga, and this was promised to be more of a darker, grittier war story. And I think some people were looking for kind of a a band of brothers or, you know, Thin Red Line type of uh, a harder-edged war story, a military type of combat story. And the way these reports are now kind of shaving up is like, well, no, maybe that's worrying the executives. They don't want an uber-grim movie. Maybe this is a reaction to Batman v Superman versus something like the Marvel Studios movies, which is also owned by Disney, that tend to rely on more of those moments of humor. It's also worth noting that almost every movie of this size goes through reshoots. Those are built into the schedule. They're built into the budget as an insurance mechanism. If something goes wrong, the actors are contracted to be available to come back at some point during the schedule if they have to refilm things. So this doesn't necessarily mean the film is in trouble, but just Disney is changing the tone of the movie. When you say that they're changing the tone, I'm... what happened? Did Maids Mickelson go all Hannibal on them or something? Yeah, I, I assume that's exactly what happened. There, there's just lots of scenes of him just opening up Darth Vader's helmet and eating the brains out or something, just like yeah. Hannibal. Yeah, I guess they would have to reshoot those and tell him to tone it down. <laughs> I would love a grittier Star Wars. I don't need Han wisecracking all the time, but... You know, what we're going to get into later is I've lost my excitement where I'm not going to get upset over this. I don't know if this will end up being a big deal. I didn't need, I wasn't really hoping for a super dark, serious Star Wars movie. I think one of the things that I like about the movies in the franchise that I do like 
are those moments of lightness and those moments of humor and levity when they can enjoy themselves. I want, I want, I still want a Star Wars movie that I can get enjoyment out of and that I can find joy and and heart in. I don't want something that's just wallowing in death and seriousness. I, yeah. I, I think we, we've gotten a lot of movies like that lately, and I haven't mm-hmm. enjoyed them. Any other thoughts? I mean, do you want to see the movie? Are you curious about it? Here's the thing. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about later in terms of like me feeling like Star Wars is tethered to like the big three. I know that's not necessarily like the, the case because some of my favorite expanded universe novels were the X-Wing Squadron novels, which the only like movie character that was in that was Wedge. For the most part, yeah. And I mean, like occasionally like Akbar. I think Leia made one appearance, but yeah. Yeah, and I really liked those. But I mean, I think they were also really well written. That helps. If this can capture some of the tone of those books, I would be fine with it. In fact, I'm kind of hoping so because those did have that kind of military combat movie feel. Right. I mean, I mean, those were essentially Top Gun with X-Wing fighters. And this is supposed to be kind of like a Dirty Dozen type of thing or a Saving Private Ryan in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And I, I hope that it's a good movie. I hope that it, it takes itself seriously. But if there are some moments of wisecracking and some moments of light silliness, I'm okay with that too. So. Mm-hmm. All right, folks, we are going to take a short promo break, but we will be back in a minute, so don't go away. It's time for some thrilling heroics, a brand new podcast on 2TrueFreaks.com. Keep flying, a Firefly podcast. We aim to do the impossible, cover every episode of Joss Whedon's science fiction space opera western, and that makes us mighty. We found as fine a crew as ever populated the podcasting verse. I told them I had a job. They said yes. Didn't much care what it was. So join me, Andrew Leyland. I fought for the independence. May have been the losing side. Not so sure it was the wrong one. I'm joined by a man too pretty to die, Mr. Paul Spataro. And last, but by no means least, a man with a mighty fine hat, Shepherd Bill Robinson. So join us on 2TrueFreaks.com for Keep Flying. A Firefly podcast. We aim to misbehave. You and I saw The Force Awakens together and ultimately came to two different opinions about it. Yes, a right opinion and a wrong opinion. (laughs) And at the end of the episode, we'll let the listeners judge who is right and who is wrong. (laughs) But, I mean, obviously you were much more critical of the film because there's a great black void in your soul. Some of your criticism I agree with, though. And for instance, I think we both agree that the biggest problem with the film structurally had to do with the Starkiller base destroying the New Republic, because we don't know what the Republic is. Yeah, what is is that? Yeah, I mean, at that point in the movie, the Republic has no face. We haven't even seen Leia at that point in the movie. There's no emotional connection to this faraway planet, this government that we don't really understand, we've barely heard of. And even after we meet Leia, we still don't know anything about the New Republic because she's not part of the New Republic. She's start part of the Resistance, so which there's, yeah, isn't the, connected to the New Republic in any obvious way to the audience watching the film. And I completely agree with that. There is a total disconnect there emotionally. I also think that that plot of destroying the Starkiller base actually hijacks the real story that the movie was about, which was finding Luke. You know, in the in the original Star Wars movie, the destruction of the Death Star was central to Luke's journey of becoming the hero of that movie. 
in this one, we kind of have two different plots going on, and, and the story right. of looking for Luke takes a back seat so that we can have this major climactic battle and we can destroy another planet. Yeah, and here's the thing. If we're talking about the story going in different directions, like, who's the protagonist? I think it is Ray. Is it Ray? Because Ray has nothing to do with the destruction of the Starkiller base. That's a good point. I mean, if you if you took Poe and all of the X-Wings out of that, her journey isn't really changed at all. Right. And I'm not disagreeing with you. There are structural problems to the movie, but ultimately, my take on the movie when I left the theater, I was able to enjoy it, and I was able to forgive some of the movie's plot sins because I liked everything else that I got. I loved all of the new characters, all of the new stuff, the new worlds that they had created. I liked that, and that was what I wanted from this movie. But you felt differently. I think after you know six months has gone by since the movie ended, I think we've finally found the essence of our disagreement, and it has to do with the timeline and the characters that we're focusing on. Um, yeah. And for the listeners, back when I was doing Dead Both and the Spies, which was the precursor to this podcast... I mentioned frequently that I was excited to see new blood in Star Wars. I wanted The Force Awakens to be a passing of the torch movie. I didn't want to spend time with old Luke and Leia and Han. I wanted new heroes, new Jedi, new pilots, new warriors. But that's not what you wanted, is it? No, I want Star Wars, and Star Wars is Han, Luke, and Leia. Explain. Give well, okay. <laughs> a galaxy far, far away is a web. And in the center of that web is Han, Luke, and Leia. And it's okay to have these offshoot stories, right? These expanded universe stories where they're not involved, but they're like in the background, you know they're there. But they're central. And the thing is, I don't know that their story is over. I mean, if we look at the structure that George Lucas looks like he's going for, it looks like he's going for a generational cycle with each trilogy. Right, So the prequels are Anakin's trilogy, the originals are Luke's trilogy, and then this next one is perhaps Rey's trilogy, perhaps Kylo Ren's trilogy. I don't know. And, and I mean, that's one of the things that we talked about is I don't know who anyone is. And J.J. Abrams' like necessity to like have his mystery box doesn't work here. So what he's done is he's made his characters inaccessible, not mysterious. Rey could be a fascinating character, but she isn't developed enough. She's essentially, and I know you're going to hate this, but she's essentially an overpowered Mary Sue. And I'm disappointed because I think she is a great character, but I haven't been shown that. I have to just give them the benefit of the doubt. For anybody listening to this who might not know the term Mary Sue, explain this for us. A Mary Sue is essentially, I I mean, I guess it could have different connotations, but it's essentially an underdeveloped character who inexplicably has all of the powers, right? She doesn't have any hurdles. She can fight. She can access the force without any training. Um, She can overpower people with training. Everything works for her. And so we just see a character that can move effortlessly through the story. Often it takes the role of putting a fan into a position to be running around with the heroes that they love. Mm. So I hear all of that, and my counter-argument to that is Luke Skywalker. Is no! He, isn't he a Mary Sue or a Gary Stu, the male equivalent of that? 
In what way? Like, what, what's easy for Luke? Is it easy when his entire family is burnt to a crisp? Is it easy for him when he um, gets thrown in a trash compactor and has to be rescued by a princess? Is it easy for him when he watches his mentor be um, cut down by the man he thinks murdered his father? Is it easy for him when he has to become a mass murderer and kill millions of people? <laughs> the same things apply to her. She's an orphan. She grew up living in a burnt-out AT-AT in the desert, like a, basically a slave to a junk dealer. When, I don't know. I don't know what she's doing out there. Maybe she, do? You can maybe infer that like, from watching the movie. Maybe it's like a clubhouse. <laughs> and not only is he a Mary Sue type of character, but his name is Luke Skywalker, and he was created by George Lucas. Talk about a, a writer putting himself as the uber hero of the story. But don't you think that Luke does undergo the classic, like, Joseph Campbell hero's journey? Yeah, I do. Do you think Ray does? Hers is much more expedited. It's much quicker. They gloss over certain things. But at the same time, I'm fine with that because I watched Luke go through that journey. I don't need to see her spend three movies getting to the part where she's a Jedi Knight. I'm ready for her to, you know, they can kick it up a notch. It's a new generation. People, it's the social media generation. That's not how people, it works. People don't have the patience the for that. next generation doesn't suddenly become a, a Navy SEAL overnight because we don't want to watch them go through training. So she is able to pull the Jedi mind trick on her first try. She's able to hold her own and defeat a trained, I mean, we got to assume that Kylo Ren was a Jedi Knight, at least, before he turned. So we have a trained Force user who is trained with a lightsaber, which we're given to believe isn't an easy weapon to wield. And yet both she and Finn just kind of pick him up and run with it. I don't think it's that difficult. It's basically a sword. I was sword fighting with a baseball bat when I was five years old. Okay. I mean, I love the scene in Empire when Han uses Luke's lightsaber to cut open the Tauntaun and is like super awkward about it. He's like, <laughs> like what the heck is this thing? And awkwardly cuts open the, the smelly Tauntaun with it. But he, he acts like it's like this kind of terrifying thing to hold, which it is. <laughs> I mean, if you turn it just right, you're going to cut off all the limbs. <laughs> I will partially concede that it is an incredible, perhaps illogical fact that she's able to hold off Kylo Ren there. I think it speaks more to the fact that she is supposed to be so much more powerful innately in the Force than what we have seen before. Now... I also think it's it's dangerous to compare the two because we really only ever saw Luke go up against Darth Vader, and I don't think Darth Vader and Kylo Ren are a fair comparison. No, I don't think so either. Okay. I want to get back to something else that you mentioned, which was that for you, Star Wars was the big three. It was Luke, it was Leia, and it was Han. Those are the characters that you fell in love with, and those are the characters that ultimately you want to see more of. Is that right? Yes. So I think part of what we're discussing here is this, this difference between us is that I was ready to move on from them. I felt like I had seen their journey, not just in the movies, but in part because I read so many of the books and so many of the comics. I felt like I got a lifetime's worth of adventures from those original characters that I was ready to get new people. I'll give you that. However, 
then I needed them to be replaced, right? I needed some, I needed someone to fill their shoes, right? Like I needed new characters that are that well-developed and rich characters that I can relate to and latch on to. I can't relate to Ray because there's too much mystery surrounding her. And I want to like, don't, don't think that I'm hating on Ray. I really want to like this character, but Every time I see her on screen, I'm like, wait, what are you doing? Why is that happening? Why are you hugging Leia? Like, (laughs) I just... In fairness, even the director admitted that was a mistake. Well, yeah, it's a mistake. And and can he also admit that it was a mistake to to let Poe Dameron out of the bag in in the battle at um, Maz Kanata's place? Like, it's idiotic editing. It's sloppy editing. And... And you can say that these are little mistakes, but they're not. They pile up to become a film that has no tension and it has no suspense to it. Like I spent the whole time being like, yep, they're going to do that. I never had a moment of, oh my gosh, is Vader going to catch him? Oh my gosh, he cut off his hand and he jumped. Like I didn't see that coming. Empire and especially Jedi have flaws, but when stuff happens, I'm like, whoa, like, really? That happened? And I didn't feel that way at all. I didn't have that wonder in Force Awakens. Okay, all right. Well, let me, let's go back to the part about the development. Because, again, I'm not, I, I think these might be unfairly compared. Because even though, I mean, you saw Empire Strikes Back first. But you, and it was the same for me. We experienced these original trilogy movies in very close succession. We almost saw them all together as one piece, would you say? Um... Because I think if you look back at the original Star Wars movie... Oh, you know what? You just like linked into my memories of my childhood. I think I saw... <laughs> That's good. I, yeah, you've unlocked, you've unlocked my memory. Hang on, wait, wait. How much of this are we going to have to edit? What, am I, what are you unlocking? <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, man. Um, no, actually, I just remembered that I'm pretty sure that when I was younger... I mean, not closer to when it came out, but I think I remember seeing Return of the Jedi first on television, having no idea what it was. So I, I think I saw Return of the Jedi first in pieces, kind of, not knowing what it was. And then I saw Empire. And then I saw A New Hope, which is kind of how I saw Indiana Jones, too. Um, <laughs> it's kind of how Sophocles wrote the Oedipus cycle. So maybe it's the way to go. But I didn't see it in order. And I didn't see it all together. It took me a while. I mean... I lived in northern Vermont without a car. I didn't immediately go out and get... I mean, I had to go to Manchester, New Hampshire, which is a two-hour drive, in order to get my VHS copies (laughs) of the Star Wars trilogy and then drive them two hours home and put them in my VHS player, right? Um, But even so, like, even by that, (laughs) you're seeing, I guess, the more sophisticated of the movies earlier on. If you look back at the first Star Wars characters are just archetypes. That's what George Lucas was trying to present. I don't think, if you're just comparing the first movie of the trilogy, I don't think Luke and Han are that much more developed, or at all more developed, more than Finn and Rey are. But I want to go to the Toshi station and pick up power converters! (laughs) That's what you call development? (laughs) No, I just wanted to do that. Um, No, I understand every move that Luke makes in A New Hope. And I don't understand every move that Ray makes. 
And I think, I mean, I think we're probably ticking off a lot of your audience because we haven't gotten to the meat of why I'm having such a hard time with this movie. Yeah, as I said, I was happy that they were jumping 30 years ahead and using the actors as they are currently aged just to pass the torch. When did you think, did you, I mean, you don't think Lucasfilm made the right decision. You would have rather they picked up sooner after Return of the Jedi. Yeah, and it took me a while to realize that was the issue. For a long time, I just thought it was like, and and I'm nitpicking, right? Like there's some things that I don't like about Force Awakens that you can call nitpicking. And they really, they are in some cases. But I realized it's stemming out of one major issue, which is I don't have enough information about where the characters are at right now. Every character has some major thing that's happened between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. Major thing that is like propelling them, compelling them, you know, right? That it's helped develop their character. And those are a really big deal. And those actions, those events are what I want to see. Do I want to just listen to how Luke tried to start a new Jedi order and then like failed somehow and like his nephew turned to the dark side and some other like dark agent came in and turned him? Do I want to now just see the nephew storming around whining and then Voldemort showing up as a hologram? No, I want to see the story of like the heartbreak of Luke trying to start this new order and utterly failing and watching his nephew, his sister and his best friend's child fall to the dark side because of him. Like how heartbreaking is that? And we don't get to see it, right? And then we've got this story and even Ray, we've got this story about her being abandoned on this planet and something compelled some family to leave her there. Oh, we don't have that either. And okay, like that will probably be answered later, but it's just not there. And it could have been even hinted if he didn't want to give that all away. But like some kind of link, like there was a battle or there's something. They're refugees or they're on the run or like just some sort of hint. Han being like Mr. Renegade on the run. I mean, even that would be more interesting than what we get from him. (laughs) Um, And like this idea, like I have no idea what the New Republic is. I have no idea what the resistance is and I have no idea what the first order is. I don't know what any of these things are and I don't know them at the beginning of Force Awakens and I don't know what they are at the end, quite honestly. And you can argue with me, but I don't know what they are. And that would have been answered in my fantasy trilogy that I'm going to propose. (laughs) So you realize what you're asking for. You're asking for another prequel trilogy. And you know how well that turned out the first time. Oh, shush. You're asking, no. no, you're asking for episodes 6.2, 6.5, and no, 6.7. I, no, no, because A New Hope was Star Wars. Okay. And then later it was named episode four. So I propose that Force Awakens is just renamed episode 10. And we recast Han, Luke, and Leia and other relevant characters And we do the interim. We do a section of those 30 years in between. And we cover this really exciting period of time that they skimmed over. So you're okay with the idea of recasting these beloved characters? Oh my gosh, am I ever! (laughs) (laughs) I didn't realize you had that much enthusiasm. After my sister pointed out to me that the, the pictures on the internet of Mark Hamill's, what, 22-year-old face 
juxtaposed with that of um, Sebastian Stan, the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. My brain exploded. <laughs> if any of you listening have no idea what we're talking about, do an internet search. Go to Google or Yahoo or Lexus Nexus, if that's still a thing. Alta Vista. No. Whatever no. your search go, engine. Go to Bing. Bing. Look up Sebastian Stan, the actor who plays Bucky Barnes slash the Winter Soldier in the Captain America movies. Sebastian Stan, Mark Hamill, or Sebastian Stan, Luke Skywalker. And what somebody did was take a picture of Luke circa 1979 or 80, about when they were doing The Empire Strikes Back. And they put his hair on Sebastian Stan's face and did maybe a little bit of Photoshop tweaking around the eyes and the chin. Not a lot, but a little bit. I think they just shaved him, really. I think they, they, they like Photoshopped his stubble off and that was it. It is a pretty uncanny likeness, and I would have never thought you could possibly recast Luke Skywalker. But just looking at that image, wow, that's pretty compelling. And given how much I loved Sebastian Stan in the Captain America movies, I'm kind of leaning in your direction on this now. Thank you. I mean, they've already broke ground. They have cast a young Han Solo because that's going to be the second uh, standalone spinoff movie that comes out between episodes eight and nine. And I don't think I actually got to cover this in one of the current events segments, but they have cast the young Han Solo. It's an actor named Alden Ehrenreich. I've never seen him in a movie, but I've talked to people who have seen him and they really like him. So if you have to accept somebody replacing Harrison Ford as a Han Solo set before he meets Luke and Obi-Wan Kenobi, I mean, this is what we're going to get from the Han Solo movie. It's at some point some of his origin story. And I'm, I'm not opposed to your idea of showing some of the, the scenes in between, because I, I was the same way. And one of the things that I didn't want going into The Force Awakens was I didn't want them to just say Luke was training a new generation of Jedi, and then it all went to crap. And that's what we got. And we got it basically delivered just that way. So I, I'm not happy about that. Would I like to see that? Yeah, because it's more compelling to watch visually. But I'm a little bit gun-shy because that's what I thought I wanted to see from Anakin Skywalker's Turn to Darkness. No, but that's not what they showed you. They showed you <laughs> committee meetings. <laughs> well, okay. Nobody wants to watch Luke's committee meetings. <laughs> okay, but then but then when we're then let's actually talk about the big three and what stories did they have after Return of the Jedi? Because I think... Uh, and I've talked about this with other people. I think Nathaniel Wayne and I talked about this a long time ago on Dead Moth and Spies, was that Return of the Jedi was a great ending to the saga. So if you are going to continue it, I think you can proceed with Luke Skywalker. I think you can show his journey of trying to bring the Jedi back, training new people. Sometimes it goes well, sometimes it goes badly. But what about Leia and Han? I kind of think Leia's story was done after Return of the Jedi. Once the Empire is defeated, her mission is over. Then it's just about forging a government, and maybe that would be fun for, like, a Netflix series. But I don't want to watch that in the movies. But here's the thing. I mean, I don't have a military background, disclaimer here, but I'm really quite sure that there's something called a power vacuum. (laughs) And when you take something like an empire that has martial law control over star systems, multiple star systems, and there's one ruler and he gets assassinated and his right-hand man, his, his heir really, is also assassinated with him, there's going to be 
not only civil war within the empire, but the rebellion doesn't have the resources to seize the empire. So, I mean, potentially, there's a really cool story about... It could be like miniseries stories, kind of like the Han Solo thing, where you've got other people trying to to take up this helm of keeping peace in the galaxy. I mean, I think there's... I, I don't know if they would be willing to bring in expanded universe characters, but I think there's a really cool potential to bring in like a Grand Admiral Thrawn-like character, a really cool character that had kind of been like off on some other mission because you know he doesn't get along with Vader or something, or other kind of opponents for or power like other generals or Grand Admirals. You know, it could be, like, I'm not so sure that Leia did really have the spotlight. She, she's always kind of either, you could say she's not like the damsel in distress in The New Hope, but she really is. She, she is in distress for most of the movie. And like, for the last part of it, she basically stays on the Yavin moon, biting her nails, waiting to either be blown up or not blown up. Empire Strikes Back, she has really no role whatsoever. Right. She's kind of flirting with yelling at Han at the beginning. Then she's like stuck on the Millennium Falcon. And then she's a hostage, essentially no role in Empire. And then we get to Return of the Jedi and she is a sexualized object slave character. She is then, gosh, I can't remember. She like vanishes for a while. Right. And then, well, she goes on the end of her mission and she sits around, like braids her hair and hangs out with the Ewoks. (laughs) I mean, in in what way does Leia's story play out? I don't see any playing out of her story. Oh, and not only that, but then we have the fact that Luke drops the bombshell of like, hey, you and I are brother and sister. Hey, sorry about making out with you a movie ago, but you and I are brother and sister. And one of our parents was Darth Vader. And still the focus is on Luke, right? The focus is on like, dude, are you okay, Luke? It's like, what about Leia? And she never deals with it, right? It's all about like, oh, yeah, Luke's my brother. Like, really? <laughs> I mean, in, in the movies, you're right. I mean, to, to what degree she had any agency in those classic movies, that's, that's debatable. I think she was ultimately the face of the rebellion. And I think if you show the power vacuum that comes in filling up the gap, because all of the villains that we see in the original trilogy die by the end of the movie. There's no, there's nobody left that we know to pick up the slack. So it's either got to be an outside force, or it's just going to be a Grand Admiral Thrawn just picking up more of the remnants of the Imperial fleet. And in a in a movie like, what does that look like? It just looks like more rebel ships fighting more star destroyers. And I think we've seen that. And I think that undercuts the meaning meaningfulness of the Battle of Endor. And I mean, honestly, I would love a more human story. You know, the thing that I love about the Timothy Zahn trilogy is there is like military action and adventure in that in that trilogy. But a lot of it is like people to people interaction. And there's like just some really cool moments. Like, I think my favorite Leia moments in the expanded universe are her and the Nogri and this kind of reluctant taking of the helm of being Darth Vader's daughter for the protection that these, I mean, those that aren't familiar with the Zahn trilogy, that the Nogri are a um, kind of assassin species of aliens 
that Darth Vader, and I mean, I love this element of Darth Vader too, that he rescued this race and they're beholden to him. Like they're this species that is honor bound. It's kind of similar to Chewbacca, but just like a little bit more hardcore, right? <laughs> yeah. Like he saves them in some way, like from either the empire or like some other machination, he saves them and they forever are beholden to him and his bloodline. And so like, they end up finding Leia and being like, hey, we're your bodyguards now. And, you know, at first she's just like, uh, no, I'm all set. And they're like, nope, we got this. <laughs> and they are terrifying because they're like these small predatory gray looking aliens with like really sharp teeth. And they're like really quiet, sneaky assassins. <laughs> and, and they're so cool. And just like the fact like watching Leia kind of I can't even remember what she was doing at the time, but like she had like this really small mission that she was trying to accomplish. And she's got these like little Nogri following her around, keeping her safe. Like all this stuff isn't stories of governments or, you know, large powerhouse governments clashing against each other. They're just people traveling around the galaxy being like, oh, man, who's trying to kill me now? Mm -hmm. So you would be okay with ultimately like if the movies went back and picked up like a year, two years, five years after Return of the Jedi and showed us our heroes still relatively in their prime, mm -hmm. just recasting the actors, but keeping the focus on the continuous adventures of Luke and Leia and Han, because those are your heroes. Those are your Star Warriors. I feel like when you say that, you're being condescending. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> at all. I mean, it's... I... I... I don't think you're in the minority necessarily in that opinion. I think that's what most people kind of wanted when they first heard about this. I just, I feel like what I said at the beginning, after reading so much of the Expanded Universe novels, the comics, before Disney did their bio, the books had gotten to the point where Han Solo was like 70 or 75 years old, basically as old as Harrison Ford is now. And Luke and Leia were like, you know, five years younger than him. And I hadn't been reading all of those books, but it felt like you could open up a book and see the timeline of all of the material that had been published. You can't imagine there's any one single day in the life of these characters that hadn't been chronicled at that point. And I just felt like, retire these guys. You told me last time you were here that you'd been pushing for many years to have Han Solo killed off. And I don't want to <laughs> spoil it for anybody. Yeah. I hope at this point everyone who wants to see the movie has seen the movie, but you, you succeeded. You work for like 25 years for uh -huh. the company. Yeah. You do your best. Uh -huh. You show up every day. You do your job. Uh -huh. And then they just let you go. In this case, they actually killed you. Shocking. <laughs> Shocking. When you saw yourself... No, I argued for 30 years for this to happen. Right. And uh, finally, I, uh, I wore him down. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you did. So you won't be in any of the other movies, or Han Solo won't be in any of the other movies? Who said that? <laughs> Forgetting aside, like, what the schedule that Lucasfilm and Disney have laid out, which is that the end of this year we'll get Rogue One, next year we'll have Episode Eight, then Han Solo, and then Episode Nine, I think, in 2019. And we haven't gotten any information about what might come next. 
what would you like to see after that? What stories, what movies? I mean, would you want some kind of adaptation of the Thrawn trilogy? Or, I mean, it would, they would have to change certain elements in order for it to fit, but would you like to go back and see younger versions of the classic heroes? Or would you, would you want them to go somewhere farther in the future? Or what? I really liked the Zahn trilogy. I don't think it can be adapted in this universe. I think that door has been shut. Where could they go from here? I mean, maybe they're going to need to do something like the Yuzhan Vaughn series did, where they have some sort of outside... Because, I mean, really, the First Order is a cheap version of the Empire. Yeah, it's the Empire right? 2.0. Yeah, and it's, it's a less scary version of the Empire. It's the bargain bin version. <laughs> <laughs> and I think they need tension. They need villains that are actually, that, that make you nervous for your heroes. At no point did I think that Kylo Ren was going to be a threat to anyone. Um, at no point did I think Bill Weasley was going to be a threat to anyone. And giant holographic Voldemort, again, I don't have enough information about him. I don't know if he's a dark side user or if he's just some politician like Palpatine was before he became emperor. I don't know who he is. And so I'm... <sighs> I don't know if this will make sense and how they could get away with it, but I kind of hope that Snoke is like a charlatan if he's not actually a dark side user at all, if he's just like tricking Kylo Ren. I think that would actually be more interesting. I guess. What does he want? I don't know what Snoke wants. Like, I don't know what anyone wants. What does anyone want? To feel love. I guess. I think that's going to wrap up this discussion. But before you go, you must answer the galactic questionnaire for every guest of Give Me Those Star Wars. I don't have to do anything I don't want to do. (laughs) Number one. Would you rather drive Luke Skywalker's land speeder from Star Wars A New Hope or Ray's speeder from The Force Awakens? Which speeder of Luke's is it? Is it like the, the oh. little one that he goes like yeah, back Tatooine, and forth? The open top one. The one that looks like a really cheap bumper car? <laughs> yes. So I either get like bumper car or box. Because it really looks like Ray is um, flying on a cardboard box. It's supposed to look like a... Oh, you know what I want? I want to ride one of the the speeder bikes from Endor. (laughs) Am I allowed to pick something that you didn't give me a choice of? You are. (laughs) I I do not. I'm going to pick the Endor speeder bike. All right. I do not make that allowance for other guests. Okay. Okay. Then Ray's speeder is most like the Endor speeders. Okay. And that's just because you ride a motorcycle. Yes. Okay. Number two, classic Imperial stormtrooper or first order stormtrooper. Classic. All right. Question three. Would you rather have a lightsaber or Boba Fett's jetpack? Lightsaber. Boba Fett's jetpack sent him flying into the Sarlacc pit. You're the one who said if you make one wrong turn with a lightsaber, you cut off all the limbs. Yeah, well, I'll cut off all your limbs. Question four. Would you rather live on Tatooine or Dagobah? Oh, those are both awful. That's the point. (laughs) Well, there's at least people on Tatooine, and then I can leave. (laughs) (laughs) Number five. Not counting Boba Fett, who is the coolest bounty hunter introduced in The Empire Strikes Back? All right. I don't like Dengar 
he just looks like a random dude that wandered onto the set. <laughs> I think everybody says that. <laughs> he looks like a random dude that wandered onto the set. I think some people think he looks like Space Johnny Cash, but he's... <laughs> and Bosk, he looks like someone got lost trick-or-treating and like wandered onto the set. He looks like something from a really cheap, like, 50s horror movie. Like Swamp Thing or something. That's what half of the characters in the Mos Eisley Cantina looked like. Most yeah, of them were Halloween masks. I know, but I don't usually Google them and look at them closely. <laughs> I guess I'm going to have to go with IG-88 because he's the least lame of them. Oh, you're going to be breaking somebody's heart with that answer. <laughs> Whose heart? Yours? Question six. Would you rather go on a date with Princess Leia or Carrie Fisher? Princess Leia. Much more exciting date. Really? Why? Because she's a princess who's leading a rebellion. Okay. Right? I'm not arguing for that. If you don't want to spend time with Carrie Fisher, I'm not going to argue with that. I mean, I feel like Carrie Fisher would be fun. I mean, I feel like Leia has some bad habits, too. Uh, finally, question seven. If you had the force, would you be pulled to the light side or the dark side? Uh, I would end up getting dragged to the dark side. You know it. I have a temper. You do. You've got a lot of rage built up in there. Yeah. And your coworkers, boy. Actually, I would probably be the first one to feel it. You would, like, shoot force lightning at me all the time. But you'd also be force choking a lot of your your peers. (laughs) Choking my peers. You would. No, r- no, right now you're thinking about the faces of all the people you would force choke. Yeah, but I would do it from another room so they wouldn't know it was me. Like, I'd wait until like, they were eating like a candy or something. You're <laughs> <laughs> like, you choked on a candy, moron. <laughs> that is definitely dark side. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine Vader doing that? Like, waiting until someone like swallows their donut or something and then making them choke? <laughs> I swear, Emperor Palpatine, I didn't kill him. He just naturally just choked on a donut. Thank you, Angie, for being my guest on this episode. It was great hearing your perspective on this issue, even though we disagree with a lot of this. Um, I'm glad that we were able to finally have this discussion that now potentially hundreds or thousands of people can share with us. Don't get too full of yourself. Maybe five or six people. Uh, Thank you very much for being part of this. Thank you (laughs) for finally inviting me. Oh my god. Give Me Those Star Wars is a proud member of the Fire & Water Podcast Network. Feedback for the show can be left at fireandwaterpodcast.com or the Facebook page for Give Me Those Star Wars. You can also find me on Twitter at RyanDaily01 or you can send an email to rdailypodcast at gmail.com. Part of the theme music for this podcast is performed by the Evil Genius Orchestra from their album Star Wars Cocktails in the Cantina, available for purchase on iTunes and at Amazon Music. That and all other music, audio clips, or quoted text are used for entertainment purposes and believed covered under fair use. Give Me Those Star Wars is not affiliated with Disney or Lucasfilm, and I make no money from this podcast, so no copyright infringement is intended. Thanks for listening, and may the Force be with you.
You're going to have to edit this out. Lily right now is rolling around and kicking me. She has Chewbacca, which might be appropriate. <laughs> she has a chew toy that looks like Chewbacca. We got it. <laughs> um, oh, God, there's a dead Chewbacca lying next to me. <laughs>